0: This week's episode of Stuck in the 80s is brought to you by Me Travel back in time to the 80s Reliving the shenanigans
1: It was the early 80s And sex was still a good way to meet new people
0: The disappointment That's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that And the self-confidence.
1: I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape.
0: Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. My Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s, it's your host, Steve Spears, and I'm afraid it's that time of year again, so please forgive us as we gather as friends to honor our favorite romantic couples of the 80s. I thought we were
1: going to be just
0: friends. What? Friends listen to Endless Love in the Dark? With me as always, at least he found the woman of his dreams, it's Brad in LA.
2: Hey Steve, Valentine's Day is upon us, and uh, two sad sacks like us, we need some help with this show, so... uh, I want to introduce our close personal friend, Jen with one N.
1: Thank you, guys. That was a perfect introduction. I, I love it.
2: No, oh, We need help. <laughs> we aim to please. Yes, I wrote
1: it, so no. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> My name is Jen with one N, and I approved this message.
0: So here we are again. It's, it's early February, and uh, we always torture ourselves each year by trying to come up with some sort of idea for a theme show for Valentine's Day. And thankfully, Jen came to the rescue this year with her idea of uh, favorite romantic couples of the decade.
1: You guys, I love love. Okay, I'm just going to put that out there.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad glad somebody does. Right there in the title. (laughs) So here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan. Uh, Each one of us, we're going to pick our own individual favorite real couple of the 80s. We're going to pick our favorite fake couple of the 80s. And perhaps, if the spirit moves us, we might discuss our favorite personal crush of the 80s. Oh, yeah. A lot of sharing, a lot of hand holding. Sit around the campfire. Might be some crying.
1: Maybe it's gonna some be s'mores.
0: It's gonna maybe healing time for us all. <laughs> and maybe some jackass throwing firecrackers into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say who that is. I'm just saying <laughs> I did it all the time in Boy Scouts, and I miss it. <laughs> and that is why you didn't get past Tenderfoot.
1: I know. Well, I'm loving the sharing already. I didn't know you were a Boy Scout, so that's great.
0: Yeah, I was. And I, and, and as Brad has painfully reminded me, I did not get past Tenderfoot. Yeah, you know. uh, good times. Good times. Anyway, uh, let's get started. I will pick my favorite real couple of the 80s, and um, I don't even know why I'm going to say this. It's going to be Burt Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson. Nice.
1: I like that, too. <laughs>
2: Yeah, at first I like that feels very 70s and yet no, it's
0: just it's perfect. Actually, they were only married about um 5 years. They and it didn't get married until 1988. Really? And you think of them as kind of being a couple the whole decade. Um but they they really and maybe they were. I mean, let's face it, the marriage only lasted 5 years. But I mean, we all know them from obviously <laughs> the classic movie that we all own at home, Stroke Ace stroker you're so sweet
1: oh i'm not sweet good looking great stock car driver snappy dresser stroker wait i'm not through i got one more i want you
2: you do oh of course (laughs) saw it in the theater (laughs) (laughs) so did i did, did you actually watch it, though, Jen, or were you I otherwise occupied? I was occupied?
1: like seven or something. No, I, I, I was little. <laughs> I, was, I was younger. So, yeah, I watched the movie. And, and how young I was, I liked it.
0: <laughs> I have a certain appreciation. I think it was on HBO so many times. Yeah, like, that's I'm, that's where I saw it. That's uh, You know, there's like a common theme that has run through the podcast over the last couple of years, and one of which is that how HBO made bad movies better because we could see them repeatedly for free. Because it was on, right. So you would sit right. and watch it. And it would it.
1: wear like, you down, and then you would realize, and you would start to think, I must like this, because I keep watching it. I keep
2: watching it, yeah. Watching it, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's you were right now. Syndrome for movies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> What's funny about Bert and Lonnie is I, I found myself just now being surprised that they were married, because I remember them like being on the cover of People Magazine and stuff, but I remember that in my memory, it's like um, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, yeah. like together, but never married. And I, I married. I, I completely forgot they were actually married. Yeah.
0: They were married. Huh. Burt Reynolds actually gave an interview to People Magazine back in 2015, I believe the year was, where he said um, his marriage was a, a mistake, and he said, uh, "I should have known that you don't marry an actress." He he told People, says an actor. <laughs> he um he was promoting his new uh, memoir or new at the time called But Enough About Me. And he wrote about her. He said, uh, quote, she bought everything in triplicate from everyday dresses to jewelry to china and linens. She would tell him, I never wear a dress after it's been photographed. I have to dress like a star. And then he claims that he gave her a, a platinum American Express card with a $45,000 credit limit. And she maxed it out in half an hour. Boom. Yeah. No. Yeah. But still, to me, they're like one of the idyllic 80s couples. I mean, when you look, yeah, we can talk about the divorce all day long, but, you know, when you're grown up and you're a kid in the 80s, per Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson, it doesn't get any more American than that. Jen, what is your favorite uh, real couple of the 80s? Yeah,
1: this didn't take me long to think, of, to um, to come up with something. I would say Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz. Um, yeah, they got married in 1987 and then wah, wah, got divorced in 1993. Um, but yeah, I love them. I thought, I, I'm trying to remember if I, yeah, no, I was in high school and I got Lenny Kravitz's tape, uh, Let Love Rule, and I listened to it a lot. And I loved Lisa Bonet anyway. She was my, like, I want, I, I wanted to wear all her clothes, basically, and I tried to to. You know, I'd sometimes pick out outfits that I would try to replicate and always do a miserable job at. But I loved her. We have her. three
2: students at our school cultivating the Lisa Bonet look. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but she's, I mean, she's a style icon for real. She was just sure. great. Oh, De- yeah. Denise was just great and, um, and so quirky and, and, and wonderful. And then Lenny Kravitz was kind of quirky and great too. And so when they got together, I was like, oh man. And they were such a good looking couple. And I thought they're going to have good looking kids. And, you know, look what happened. They have a beautiful daughter who looks just yeah. like Lisa Bonet, actually. I love these guys. They're just, I, I was sad when they split up. And what yeah.
0: wasn't there some accusations of, like, between them that there's some violence or something? Or am I misremembering?
1: I don't know. Are you thinking of Sean Penn and Madonna, perhaps? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm always thinking of Sean Penn and Madonna.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Always stewing. I'll let it go.
1: Yeah. They didn't make our list unless, uh, unless Brad. Chose them. Did you do that, uh, Brent? You
2: know, I don't I don't want to reveal too soon, you know. Okay. No, it's your turn, buddy. You know, it's funny because when this question I saw this question, I'm like, Okay, I just I have to pick Madonna and Sean Penn just to make Steve mad, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I. it took me some time to come up with my answer and I was talking with Katie, uh my long suffering wife about this and she just blurted out Billy Joel and Christy Brinkley. I was like, That's perfect So... That's my choice, Billy Joel and Christy Brinkley. And the reason that I kind of suddenly just felt like that was the right choice was it just seemed like such a mismatch to me. Like Billy Joel, I mean, okay, Billy Joel, talented guy, um, but you have to admit, kind of looks like a cab driver, <laughs> right? You know, he's not what you would call a Richard Gere, you know, like you would never, you can't imagine him in American Gigolo. I mean, well, he's married I to this supermodel. just it was the
1: worst. I just imagined it. It was awful. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, th- that movie would be awful. But uh, it just it's such a weird mismatch. And you're kind of like, well, geez, if Billy Joel can marry some, you know, man, Christy Brinkley's hot. You know, maybe there's ch- a chance for the rest of us schlumps out here to actually, you know, find somebody that's semi-attractive, non-troll well, level to we- date. So, I just, it was just,
0: it surprised me, I think, as much as anything. And I'm like, okay, good well, who for you, Billy Joel. Not, it's not unusual because, I mean, uh, what, what's, this, I mean, the, who was the schlub that uh, Rico Kasich, Rico Kasich married? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, good the, point. the schlub that Julia Roberts uh, m- married? Lionel Lovish. Lionel love Lionel Lovish. I love it. I love it. So,
2: you know what? I had forgotten about Rico Casick. I probably would have picked that one if, I, for the same reason, if Katie hadn't suggested that to me, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, that's amazing!" So, so. what's in
1: my head now are two videos: one "Uptown Girl" featuring Christy yeah. Brinkley, <laughs> yeah, and and then uh, "Drive." Oh, the car yeah. song yeah. with um, so sad. Paulina sad. like crying in black and white. That's anyway, so sad. Sorry, didn't
2: and, and and Benjamin Orr's dead now. Ah. Um. Is gone. Didn't uh,
0: Billy Joel meet Christy Brinkley at I guess at some he was playing resort, he was playing piano at like a some hotel bar um where he was on vacation. She happened to be vacationing there too, I think, and that's sort of how they I, I don't know. I think I read that. I do deal.
2: know that he was he was dating Elle McPherson. That's who he wrote Uptown Girl about. What?
0: Oh Yeah. I'm like, damn son. Sadly, far too few stories about podcasters marrying supermodels. Uh,
2: Yeah, well, I I think I got as lucky as I possibly could on this end, so I'm not going to push it. Uh, But uh, they also ended up uh, splitting, as we all know, in the mid-90s. But they had one daughter, Alexa Ray.
0: She shows up in some of his songs, too, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of uh, couples that are more suited to the 80s, let's talk about some favorite fake couples. And by this we mean uh, couples that um, either appear in a TV show, a movie, or song, whatever. Uh, I'm going to take the rare pick of uh, the married couple from Heart to Heart.
1: Aw, that's a good pick. I love <laughs> that's that. That's <one>. awesome. <laughs>
0: I love that I show. Did. I can't
2: remember a single episode, but oh, I watched no. it. I
0: just, I watched it because of of Stephanie Powers. I, mean, oh, I was wow. I was totally in love with Stephanie Powers. I mean, to me, she represented the perfect woman. You
2: could do a lot worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, Heart to Heart was a uh, TV series that ran on ABC from 1979 to 1984. Um, it starred Robert Wagner and Stephanie Powers, who played Jonathan and Jennifer Hart, a wealthy couple. Uh, who in their spare time solve uh, murders and other crimes uh, of which they become sort of, you know, accidentally embroiled, of course. Yeah. It's like, wait a course- minute. You guys show up at every murder and you're not a suspect? Yeah. It's like, you are a suspect. It had that great theme song with the opening from uh, their butler Max. Uh, it just was, <laughs> even after the TV show ended in 84. It kept coming back as like a TV movie of the week sort of thing. They do like, like yeah you know, one offs. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and well, it's kind of interesting. The show itself was sort of interesting when it was when it was conceived. The uh, producers actually wanted um, Wagner to uh, to star alongside his uh, his real time wife, which is Natalie Wood. He doinked to that idea. He didn't think it was a good idea, probably rightfully so. Cary Grant, George Hamilton, both were considered for the role of Jonathan Hart. Hmm. Um but uh and weirdly enough, Wagner and Stephanie Powers each lost their uh, spouses uh back in uh November
2: nineteen eighty one. Wow.
0: Hey, here's some here's some trivia
2: for you about Max. Did you know that the actor who played Max, uh Lionel Stander, was actually blacklisted? What? Really? He was on the Hollywood blacklist.
0: Wow. I don't think I think he I think he passed away about twenty years ago now. It's been a while. So, anyway, so that, that's it. That's my favorite, and I'm going to stick to it. I think Stephanie Powers still looks smoking hot today. Jen, who's your favorite fake couple?
1: Well, hearing you describe this category, I hadn't even thought about songs. So, just, this isn't my answer, but I thought of Patty and Billy from, young, from Rod Stewart's Young Turks, you know, <laughs> that they run away and Billy gets his ear pierced and Patty gives birth to a 10-pound baby boy. So, that's, that's not uplifting. mine, but it made me laugh. Yeah, I know. So, so when I was thinking about this, As the father of a daughter, I really like category. that song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was kind of going back and forth. I at first I thought, uh, you know, Samantha Baker and Jake Ryan, and I would have picked that one mostly because he was so 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 cute, and there was really uh, the fact that he was interested in. That sophomore girl who they'd never met before. I I just, you know, I love that story. Didn't pick them. Then I thought about Veronica and JD from Heather's because Veronica and JD from (laughs) Heather's. I like that one
2: better just because uh, JD doesn't sell his girlfriend to a freshman.
1: Yeah. He, you know, tries to commit mass murder but yeah so no, yeah, I see. but i didn't it's choose, all just
2: degrees right? but just i didn't degrees.
1: choose i didn't choose that one either um i went with and 14 year old me would be like are you kidding me <laughs> but 43 year old me has a kid <laughs> so i went with steve and elise keaton from family ties
2: oh yeah
1: no i know because i think about all of the family shows with parents in them from the 80s, your Cosby's, your growing painses, and um, and Family Ties is the one that stands up for me, both in my memory and when I watch it again today, and Steve and Elise were just like solid, and they really seemed like partners in their marriage, not not like, you know, one of them was stupider than the other, which is a, a yeah. common trope. You know, either the dad is hapless and, and silly, or the mom is... <laughs> Exactly, or, or or the mom is you know flighty and and stupid, and it just was great because they were both like human. It, it rings true, <laughs> you know. Sometimes yeah, it rings they, true, yeah. Sometimes they were still. I am thinking of the, the the comment, you know, and he was such a dad because he was. There was one episode where um Jennifer was reading Seventeen magazine, and he made a crack about it. You're and, you are only fifteen, and she gave the monster eye roll yeah. to that. But they were they were just great parents, and they just had you know they had decent jobs and. I don't know, but I was reflecting on the family dynamic with Steve and Elise and Alex P. Keaton the other night, and I thought, oh, that would, I I never understood why they would get so angry about him and his Ronald Reagan-loving ways until (laughs) now, (laughs) because now I'm like, oh, I Uh, get it. Yeah, But they were a lovely couple, and they were great parents, but they always seemed like to love each other, too, as much as it, they love their kids, which is yeah, a neat that's, you know, kind uh, of an yeah, example. If someone
2: said to me, you're such a dad, at this point, I would take that as such a compliment. I'm like, yeah,
0: good.
1: Yeah, it's really effing hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no.
0: Did you say they both have jobs? I know and I know Stephen was a manager of a public TV station, but what, what did Elise yep. do?
1: And Elise was an architect. Oh, okay. Yeah. She always had like blueprints and plans she was carrying around.
0: <laughs> it's such a trendy job. It's, a TV, <laughs> it's such a TV job. It is it really is such a TV Mr. Job. Brady? It is,
1: but the fact that it was a woman that had it and they oh. didn't make a big deal about it, she yeah. just had it, that was pretty revolutionary.
0: You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, that's right. So, Brad, what is your favorite uh, fake couple of the 80s?
2: Okay. Well, I, I want to carry on a theme a little bit from what Jen said as to why I picked this couple. My favorite uh, fake couple is Ren and Ariel from Footloose. And I think the reason that that, that couple works is why the movie works. I love this movie. I you know, I know people are going to say, "Wait a minute, you you won't watch Dirty Dancing, but you love Footloose?" And I'm like, "Okay, cool, that's fine. Pile on if you like." But I just I think that that the relationship of those two it's an honest, real interaction between two teenagers, and if it was too cartoony, I don't think the movie works because the movie's pretty I mean, we were talking about musicals before we started recording. I, and I've said before, I, this movie is a musical if you ask me. But I think that that, that um the interaction between those two—I mean—I think they have pretty good chemistry, uh, and I think that the that kind of back and forth between them is really what kind of holds this movie together.
0: I I think what I like about it is I like and I like this pick. I think this is a great pick, and I, I wouldn't compare Dirty Dancing to Footloose in, in uh, <laughs> at all. Um, well, but what I like about Ren and Ariel is that it, it's a it's a romance that kind of. It's not instantly there. I mean, you know, yeah, make... exactly.
2: The you know, do you want to kiss me? You're like, oh, no. yeah, but you know, kissed a lot. Yeah, yeah what, a what a I burn! What a burn! I might suffer by comparison. <laughs> I want to use Man. that someday. I want to use. That. <laughs> How'd you get away with
0: that? Not get smacked, Jen? Um, yeah, if I if I if Jen if I said that to a woman, am I going to get slapped?
1: Which part? The the. I, I get the feeling you've been kissed. By yeah,
0: yeah, you've been kissed a lot. I'd oh. suffer by comparison
1: slap. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes. <laughs> Let's just go with slap. Yeah. So Say the other it, thing run. I think Yeah, sorry. maybe text it. Um ooh, the other thing I like about this couple I think is I I feel like I kind of know these people. You know, I grew up in a small town. Um I kind of understand the perspectives of both of them, the the new kid in town. You know, I had friends who were that kid. It wasn't really ever me because I moved there when I was in kindergarten and the the you know, People who are just dying to get out of those towns, I mean I just I feel like i I understood those people maybe a little better
0: yeah
1: i I love this pick, Brad. I think it's a really good one, and I think you're right, I think they are the heart of the movie. I remember watching it and thinking that that they were talking to i mean recently not when i was a kid but that they were talking to each other and really listening to each other i think it's a testament to their acting skills those two but yeah they are the heart of the movie and i'm thinking of that sweet sweet scene where she's getting ready for prom and she can't decide whether to keep the sleeves up or put them down and she's so nervous and she seems like such a tough girl it was such a sweet scene and yeah. then immediately after when she's he, he's trying to open the car his car door for her and he can't get it open so he has to like kick it yeah i just that's such a sweet scene
0: there's a lot of moments i, in I agree movie. i agree it drives me nuts when people run that movie down
1: I, it, what is wrong with footloose
0: yeah Drew. You, If you don't get yeah true <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the one thing wrong with footloose and it was shocking to me when i rewatched it after years and years is that scene where she gets the just crap beat out of her from by chuck uh-huh that scene was shocking to me because I completely had forgotten about it. And I think I might have mentioned this in, in a previous conversation about Footloose. But like, if I knew that my 10 year old kid was watching her get beat up that badly by her boyfriend, I don't know if I would have let her watch the movie, honestly. Yeah. So yeah. that, that's the one part of the movie. And when they remade it, they didn't include that. And I was like, oh, thank God, because it's such a brutal scene. Like, it's really real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it is. It is. Gross. That's the grossest yeah. three minutes in that whole well, beautiful movie.
0: And if there's one kind of black eye, no pun intended, that the 80s gets, it's that you have teen movies that have these really uncomfortable scenes. I mean, do you remember the original Bad Boys that had uh, Sean Penn in it where he uh, – oh, yeah. He sent a juvie, and his girlfriend, I think, gets raped by, like, some rival gang leader and gets the crap kicked out of her. I mean, like, bad. I mean, that's just—that's that's horrific. Jen, you talk about that, and that's actually
2: a, a really good—that's um, a really good point about that scene. But the scene—and, you know, now I feel embarrassed for not saying that one—but the scene that always takes me out of that movie is when they're playing Tractor Chicken, and the tough guy puts holding out for a hero on his boombox. Like, that's like—no. <laughs> no <laughs> No, that wouldn't. Didn't happen.
1: they love Bonnie Tyler in well, the Rust Belt?
2: <laughs> I, I, maybe, but you know, if you had that tape and you were that guy, you'd listen to it on headphones.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good point. Okay, so we've uh, we've shared our favorite real couples and our favorite fake couples. Now it's going to get uncomfortable. Time to share our favorite uh, personal crushes. Um, Brad, should I let you go first? Oh, sure. I'll go first. Um, So my favorite
2: kind of personal crush of the 80s, it took me no time to think of this, um, was this girl that I was in orchestra with. Her name was Diane. Um, And set the stage a little bit. I was in a youth orchestra when I lived in Oklahoma. And I'm sure I've mentioned this. Right before we moved to California, we did this two-week tour of Scandinavia. So I'd been in this group for a couple of years, but I didn't really meet very many people it wasn't in my nature to introduce myself to strangers, and I would see these people once a week. And I didn't really, you know, the people that were in my section I knew, but other people I didn't really know that well. So, anyway, long story longer, we're in Stockholm. It's like the first stop of this trip. And I see this girl getting on the ferry boat that we're taking across the. I don't remember where we're going, doesn't matter. But I just, I'm like, oh my gosh, who is that? She's stunning. And I just was instantly smitten with this girl. And. Did everything I could to you know try and get close to her, spend time with her, become friends with her um you know it was kind of like that summer camp romance type thing you know where you're you know it's just it comes on really fast um, she did not feel the same way about me I mean we were friends, but uh nothing more ever really came of it so you know that the trip happens I spend as much time as I can with her uh, and then we moved to California and so i mean i think i probably sent her a couple of letters over the year we exchanged mail back and forth a little bit and i would see her sometimes when i was back in town because we were friends but um, i think that's part of why it was it's kind of has this glow around it still because no reality ever impinged on that you know (laughs) it all kind of happened in this time capsule out of system thing where we were on a trip together and you know does that make any sense
1: well, yeah, it's the plot of many movies. Yeah.
2: I suppose so. I suppose so. I never not really thought about it, but it's like it—it it just has remained um, unsullied by any of the facts involved, whether she had any interest in me or not. Because I didn't really see her that much after that.
0: Jen, what was your uh, favorite personal crush of the '80s?
1: Well, even though I came up with this, these categories, I misunderstood <laughs> this last one. Um, I think because. I wound up picking celebrities because I had many of the many personal crushes on celebrities, which is personal to me, not so much to them. But um, <laughs> well, it may be you never know. But, but I but I didn't think about like who my crushes it like real people around me were because I I had those a lot too, and sometimes it would be reciprocated. But I was such a nerd ball and like glasses and braces and zits. I mean, it was awful, you guys. <laughs> and so I wasn't like. I wasn't an obvious choice for a girlfriend, but I'd always be like these really cute boys friend that they could tell. All, I mean, you know, that's this plot of a lot of stories. Yeah, I was going to say we're back too. to the movies,
2: aren't we? Our but lives. Yeah, are... But
1: that, but that I was, I was that person all the time. And I would every once in a while, like I, I remember this with this kid named Sean in eighth grade. Every once in a while, I would see this glimpse in his eye of like, I really like you, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I because I made him laugh, and I was smart, and I mean, I was a I was a cool kid. But that it, it, just the and
2: man, then Jen society, took her glasses man. off, and he society was like, "Oh man. my gosh!"
1: And I was like talking to a post because I couldn't see without my glasses, so I had to keep them on. And this is pre contacts days. But anyway, if there are any teenagers out there listening right now, it gets better. Um, <laughs> but then it gets so- much worse. <laughs> 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 and then it gets better, a little bit better again. You make then... it happen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so I'm going to tell you who my my celebrity crushes were, because they were fairly consistent. Um, one, Mr. C. Thomas Howell.
2: Ah, uh, okay. Who Pick.
1: was named Christopher. Here's a fun fact. His name was Christopher, but because of SAG, um, Screen Actors Guild, he had to choose this other name. But uh, but all the teeny bopper magazines, your Bops and your Sixteens and Tiger Beats called him Tommy, so I did too. But I love love love. I loved all the Outsiders, let's be honest. But he was the cutest, <laughs> obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he was my fave for a long time, and then of course um, this band. I don't know if you've heard of them um, from England called Duran Duran. So huh. loved Duran Duran, and I and I would say you know everyone got to pick who their favorite. Duran Duran, like you know, pick your favorite Beetle and Beatles in the in the sixties. Sure, but I nobody said Andy ever. That's true. <laughs> in fact, the, we we would watch the we would watch videos and and uh, Rio would come on and Andy would go overboard and everyone would cheer, which is so mean. <laughs> it's so so mean. <laughs> but um, so I of course didn't say Andy. Look, I'm I'm what a double standard, right? I'm uh, sure well, he's a great know, okay. guy. I'm sure it's not doesn't hurt his feelings but I, I said Roger the drummer because I wanted to be different and also I thought drummers were hot but, but really not, in my head not heart so different heart, as to go with Andy Not that different I mean come on but yeah but but really John Taylor was my favorite and remains my favorite and he is still a tall drink of water. I love 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 John Taylor. And I recommend his autobiography for a second time cuz I thought it was very interesting. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. So yeah, I would would say Tommy Howell and John Taylor. Steve?
0: Steve, what do you got for us? Well, I'll give you a a celebrity crush. Um, I think I've talked about this on an earlier show. I'll give you two, and then I'll give you the real one. Uh, Christy McNichol was the big one for me when I was... Oh, I remember that from an earlier show, yeah. Yeah. A much earlier show. Yeah, yeah. I, I really... I think I used to practice kissing her... From uh, one of those teen, what was it Teen Magazine? Was it Dynamite or was it Bananas? Oh, yeah, could be. But
2: well, Dynamite one? and Bananas were both like you get them in the mailer, like the Scholastic.
0: Yeah. Book well, order One had, one of them had a, yeah, she was on the cover of one of them, and that was where I practiced my kissing when I was like eleven or twelve or whatever. And then later in high school, it was uh, it was uh, Debbie Foreman. <laughs> so
1: you don't say, <laughs> yeah,
0: really? <laughs> no, as, as people might have caught on to by now. So it's kind of surreal that I, I'm actually, you know, friends with her now and stuff like that. She and I exchange stories about our dating all the time. So,
1: why are, why am I not friends with John Taylor and exchanging dating <laughs> stories know. with him? That's what I'd like to know.
0: I don't know. It's just like
1: hey John Taylor, if you're listening,
0: yeah, give me a call. Yeah. You, the is email the pod, we'll connect you, you guys. You have here's the thing you have a husband and a daughter that, 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 you, oh, yeah, you I love forgot. and adore you, and you adore them back, and then.
1: Yeah, I point. have none of those things. I, I bet I, John I, Taylor's
0: on the list, though. I bet John I, Taylor's on the list. I, um, He's
1: like a, uh, sanctioned.
0: You get that. I get to be friends with uh, Debbie Foreman. That's just the way it works.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so who's your real Oh, so crush? horribly
0: sp- – this is kind of a weird story. So,
1: in, I kind of feel like we're at a slumber party, you guys, a little bit.
0: <laughs> there was this girl uh, I went to middle school with named Marianne, and um, I still have my middle school yearbooks. And if you go back and look at them, you can see where I've drawn all sorts of little – I've drawn hearts around her photo composed of little tiny hearts, you know, and little sunbursts coming off her photo and stuff like that. I don't think I ever spoke to her until sometime in high school. Yeah. And every year I would send her – we used to have a program at, at my school, and I think I've talked about this before, where you could send a carnation to somebody on Valentine's Day. Yeah. And it would be delivered during the school day. And you could either sign your name to it or they could be anonymous. Well, every year I sent her an anonymous flower. And, um, finally my senior year, I told her that it was me sending those all the time. I mean, she was just like completely caught off guard. And, um, I think I told her at a party <laughs> where we were both kind of already a little drunk. And so that launched like this epic makeout session in my friend's bedroom. <laughs> Wow. She and I were rolling oh, around and, and it was Still just like. a the weird. deal. But, but it was like our, we only had like a month or so left in high school. Nothing really much more came out of that for whatever reason. Yeah. So fast forward to a couple of years ago, we were getting ready for my um 30th high school reunion. And I was in touch with her again on Facebook. I found her on Facebook. We friended each other. We were chatting each other up again. And we, we kind of came up with a you know, penciled in agreement that we were going to go to the reunion together, the 30th reunion. And Uh as we got closer to it, the whole plan for the reunion kind of was not all that formal and it was a little casual and little last minute and shoddy. And so both of us were kind of like, Oh, this is crappy. Like, we're not, I'm not going to drive two and a half hours over back to Tampa Bay to go to a happy hour for 30 minutes. And then she's like, "Well, I got I have plans with something else that I could go do instead. So why don't we do this next time you come to Tampa Bay? We'll we'll go and we'll have that date that we always wanted to have." And and that was the last time I heard from her. So
2: this sounds like the song "Same Old Lang Syne" to me.
0: Yeah, I never. Um, I've I've sent her a couple messages um, since then, but she hasn't responded. So
2: uh-huh.
0: and it dies there. So. Uh, well,
2: let me tell one last story about Diane um, like I said, I kind of kept in touch with her, and the last I heard from her she was getting married like she'd let me know she's getting married I'm like, oh congratulations and I heard from some of my other orchestra friends that she that, and this story is too unbelievable to be true so therefore I'm going to tell it as though it is um that she met her husband she was uh, her family's Catholic and she was going to a Catholic university. And there was a young man there who was literally walking to go to take his vows to become a priest. And he saw her sitting on a bench in the park at the school and abandoned the church and went to go meet this, this vision that he saw there sitting on the bench. And he ended up not becoming a priest and marrying her instead.
0: Hmm. If you're going to lose out to somebody, that's not a bad story.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, I wasn't there. Was I wasn't ever in play there? I mean, this was years after yeah, you know, know I'd lived so. in California. But, yeah, always but make, I was like,
0: always okay, make it personal. Yeah, she she had that effect on more than just me. is kind of the way That's I good. took it. That's good. <laughs> well, love may die, but you know one thing that never will. That's the <laughs> Ah, the miscore frame that is reader mailbag. Uh, this week we have a letter from Brock. In North Dakota, who is uh, tells us a story or is commenting on our last episode in which we were talking about anniversaries that are going to happen in 2017, and we mentioned three men and a baby, which will turn 30 this year. So, uh, Brad, take it away. Nothing would please me more. Brock
2: writes, Hi, guys, and Jen with one N if she's there this week. Wow, he's like some kind of mind reader. That is nuts. So, he continues. How did you guys do an episode where you talked about Three Men and a Baby and not talk about the only reason to even watch the movie, the infamous Ghost Boy? My buddies and I rented this movie way more times than any self-respecting boy should, just for that fact. We would then spend hours arguing whether or not it was indeed proof of the afterlife. The kind of concrete proof that only Steve Gutenberg, Ted Danson, and Tom Selleck could deliver. <laughs> As urban legend goes, you can see the ghost of a nine-year-old boy who committed suicide with a shotgun in the apartment. What? Turn. I I, I vaguely remember something about this. I don't remember this. But I, I, I don't know. We're going to have to do Go another ahead. show on that one. Continue on, it Brock. Continues. As urban legend goes, you can see the ghost. Oh, I already read that part. Turns out it was probably just a cardboard cutout of Danson's character that was made up for some scenes in the movie that didn't make it past the cutting room floor. Not to mention that the apartment scenes were filmed on a soundstage in Toronto. It is also said that the production company planted the cutout and made up the Ghost Boy story as part of a genius marketing campaign to help push the movie to a record in video rentals. This was, in fact, the same reason we rented Teen Wolf over and over, just to spot the guy from the last basketball scene who supposedly had his junk hanging out of his pants while the camera was scanning the crowd. (laughs) Brock, you guys got to get out more, Brock. You got to get out more. Maybe start playing Dungeons & Dragons or something. I don't know. (laughs) Um, This later turned out to be a girl who had a wardrobe malfunction where her pants were unbuttoned showing some underwear. Is there anything that the internet and some research won't ruin for me? Well, we're trying our best to ruin the 80s, Brock. Anyway, he continues, keep up the good work, Brock in tropical North Dakota.
0: Wow. I knew about the Teen Wolf thing, but I'd never heard about the uh, Ghost Boy. That's pretty bizarre. Yeah. I'm sure it was a genius marketing campaign. Jeez. It's not going to make me watch it again, that's for sure. I can't. (laughs) Uh, uh, I don't
1: recall either of these. That's so interesting.
0: I, didn't, I, I maybe saw this movie twice and that was enough I even when I was trying to find a clip of it to use uh, for last for the last show we did there's like no clips yeah. of it on the internet none it's like no, huh. no, there is no love out there for three men and a baby you know rightfully so I think so anyway we love your letters um, keep sending them in the address is podcast at sit 80scom
1: what's up happening hot stuff
0: oh by the sound of the gong it must be time for mystery movie moment uh we will play you a snippet from a movie uh from the 80s if you get it right you're entered into the drawing for a is it still the bottle openers bottle uh openers. yeah we're still we're still bottle opened up we might have some leftover swag from the uh 80s cruise which um we're probably on about the same time you're listening to the show but yep. uh so if we have some of that we will be, we, that'll be some we'll put that into the that'll vault be
2: in, that'll be in play as they say yeah, yeah.
0: Anyway, pay attention. Here's the clip from the last show.
2: We well, you better not be trying any funny business out there, rump hot.
0: Watch your mouth, mister. Ah, yes, that's the natural. Just in time for uh, the beginning of spring training. That's nice. Nice. Uh, uh, Brad, uh, read some winners.
2: Winners. Winners. Winners this week include Alejandro Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Stuart from Fort Smith, Arkansas, DJ in Clinton, Jesse Elgato Grande Smith, Silvio in Witcher Springs, Florida, Brock in Tropical North Dakota,
0: and JP Krause. Pay attention. Here's this week's Mystery Clip.
1: No man, no. So no wasn't a figure of speech. <laughs> no. <laughs> pretty impressed with me.
0: If you know it, email us. Again, the address is podcast at sit80s.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a winner.
1: <laughs>
0: ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. Signature event here at Stuck in the 80s. Uh, we'll play a snippet of a song from the 80s. Uh, again, if you get it right, you're in to the drawing for some swag. Uh, pay attention. Here's the clip from our last show. That's Love Somebody by Rick Springfield. love this song. And uh, I think we just, uh, I think we've announced already Rick Springfield's hosting the 2018 uh, 80s Cruise. Yeah.
1: This was from Hard to Hold, right? Yeah. I love that movie. It's, oh, how can you? It's so bad. Uh, it's just, well, I mean, if I saw it again today, I might change my answer. But I, I, as a kid, I thought it was so fun. I
0: took, um, the, I took the girl that I was going to, that I ended up taking to junior prom, I took her to see Hard to Hold. And she didn't even she didn't tell me that she'd already seen the movie before that same day.
2: Oh my gosh,
0: with somebody else? Yeah, with some well, other dude. I thought he was like a friend, uh-huh. but it was still like one of those, like If you saw the movie, tell hey, oh, I just saw that today. Can we see something else? I still kind of wonder, like, did I just not give her a choice, or did she just kind of what happened there? Did she
2: pick up on your your subtle? Um Rick Springfield, Love and Clues—that you had to see this movie.
0: I—I just want to see. How how old were you? I would have been sixteen, maybe.
1: Okay. Well, I'll tell you, as someone who was a teenage girl in the (laughs) '80s, that sometimes you just don't say anything. You know, like you don't feel like you can say anything. Oh, what's bad? If you—if you you like, oh, it is bad. I'm hoping it's different today. But um, yeah, sort of. You know, if—if you really like a guy and that he wants to go see hard to hold you don't really <laughs> i know but twice, not, well,
2: there's a, that that string of words has never been put together before in you're
0: welcome <laughs> well i just want he was i'd like to make
2: sense what you're saying though jen it does make sense yeah. it's
0: funny I, i'm not friends with her anymore um i i'd never stayed i didn't stay in touch with her much past uh high school but i am friends with one of her best friends and she still gives me grief not only for taking her to see Hard to Hold for the second time in a day, but also for asking her friend to the prom when she really wanted me to ask her to the prom. Uh, so, so. Got a whole—I have a whole bag of issues going on. Of, a lot of palace intrigue here. Yeah, from thirty <laughs> years ago. You wonder you wonder the whole moniker of the show. You wonder—is it, is it just a catchy name, or is it some sort of psychotic condition? You be the judge. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the truth lies somewhere between ah. But you, know, you figure out where all ah. <laughs> Steve's blood pressure is spiking Continue the show uh, Read some Winners, <laughs> winners You read the winners this time, Jen we- Yeah,
1: Jen Winners include Joseph Perdue Chris Perry Jess with one S, Sloan Oh, you've got my heart Joshua in Birmingham Sean Fitzgerald Curtin Dirty Jersey Jody Freese In Milwaukee Yeah Billy and Paducah, Kevin Wench, and Kirk
0: Low. Brad, spin the uh, the wheel of power and decide who is our winner this week.
1: Ugh, spin wheel.
0: <laughs> and looks like we're going to end up on... Hey, it's Jody Freese in Milwaukee. Excellent. Uh, nice. Jody, send us a uh, snail mail address and then prepare to wait three to six months for Brad to actually mail it to you.
2: It's never been quite that. Oh, yeah, it probably has
0: been. Or, or I'll send you some Pop Rocks tomorrow. Your Ooh. choice. Pop Very rocks. tasty. Mm. Um. <laughs> okay, here we go. Pay attention. Here's the, uh, the clip for this week. If you know it, email us, podcast at sit80s.com. Tune in. Winners. Commercial time. Is this a private party or can any store crash?
2: So, new Coke is catching on, the taste is better and newer than... Pepsi! Oh, you said the P word. <laughs> so, what I wanna know is, if you're drinking Coke, who's drinking Pepsi? You said the P word! If you can't beat it, catch the wave, Coke.
0: We have a few minutes left. Uh, I thought we'd play a little round of Brad. What's your '80s obsession this week?
2: Well, I finally watched Sing Street last weekend with the fam, and I can't stop thinking about it. I cannot stop thinking about it. It's so good, um, and I I don't want to, you know, no no spoilers, but I just I keep thinking about the older brother's character and how I really feel like he's the the kind of the heart and soul of the movie. And the, without him, the whole thing's like a Disney Channel show. Um, but with his character in there, it just, it gives the movie so much depth. Um, So I've been thinking about that. And then I I also saw a uh, interview with uh, the director and someone, you know, he was asked the question, uh, well, you know, a lot of people are comparing Sing Street to the commitments and he kind of got angry. It was pretty funny. He's like, no, the commitments is a band of a bunch of people playing cover songs. My movie's
0: about a band. (laughs) Like, yeah, check that out. Harsh yeah, from Just let it go. Jen, you've seen Sing Street, haven't you? I
1: haven't. Oh, it's, it's so good. Oh, it's on Netflix. I just I, haven't had the time to I, like, watch a movie, but that's the next one on really my list as soon as it. I do. I really think you'll enjoy it. I know. Think it looks you'll like, like it. so much fun. You,
0: how, how many uh, times did you cry during the movie, Brad?
2: Uh, probably a couple. Yeah.
0: Probably a couple. I'm a sobbing uh, mess at the end of it every time.
2: Yeah. And the, if I can throw in one other one other thing, that's my '80s obsession for like over the last week. Um, as you may know from various mentions, we are going on the '80s cruise in a week or two here. And my costume for Rockers versus Hip Hop Night uh, is basically a Devo costume. I was talking to Steve about it, and he was like, "Yeah, that's you really should do that because that is who you are." And I'm like, "Yeah, that is who I am. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing." So I bought an Energy Dome, you know, the red hat. If you must, the flower pot. But uh, <laughs> I, I get this thing, and it's just a piece of formed plastic. There's nothing to really hold it on your head except gravity, if you're standing the right direction. So I'm trying to figure out how to keep this thing on my head for an evening. And I finally came up with um, I took the the kind of the inside suspension piece out of a hard hat and and velcroed that into it, and that's be working pretty good. So I'm wondering if what how they do it on stage. I, I, have to think it's something kind of like that because yeah, otherwise yeah. it would just fall
0: off. I, I'm that whole rock versus hip hop costume night is it's it has me perplexed because I, I it's have, a conundrum. I, I have my outfit is more like hard rock and I was never hard rock in the eighties, but I thought well it's a costume. Duh, I'm still still kind of figuring that one out.
1: It, well, it's your chance to try on that skin, right? Yeah, yeah, like that's, can- that's
0: that's kind of how I'm embracing it. Plus, the outfit's so much more comfortable because it has those. I have the Zuba pants.
1: Comfort is key. Yeah, it's and, like
0: wearing pajamas. And Zumba pants just look great on me. <laughs> a, they look like yoga <laughs> pants on a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Photos uh, will be posted. Um, here's here's my 80s obsession. Because this is a show about romance, uh, lifelong love, and eternal bliss, I'm consumed, obviously, with the death of John Wetton, the lead singer of Asia, this week. So sad. Yeah, it happened on Tuesday, January 31st. Um, I woke up, I was check, checking my texts and literally um, it had just been texted by the the original Asia Twitter account like moments after I woke up that he had died uh, age 67, I believe, uh, from uh, colon cancer, which he'd been fighting for s- several years now and uh, just, you know, losing battle. But the, uh, the week was full of, um, tributes by, um, the, the, uh, former VJs from MTV and then his wife wrote this really nice letter, um, that was posted on the Asia Facebook page, um, to, to fans basically saying, you know, don't, don't let the music go, keep the music in your hearts because that's what John would have wanted the most. Aww. And, um, so yeah, I was, I had a bad couple of days there cause, uh, I always kind of, I'd always wanted to interview John, and um, especially because you could tell he really shared his struggles and such in his song lyrics, and so I really wanted to explore that with him, and uh, I won't get the chance now. So, uh, Jen, save <laughs> Who's us. Well,
1: let me. <laughs> okay. No pressure. So I'm. Um. Yeah. No, no. No. That's fine. So my '80s obsession this week is also someone who died <laughs> um no it's not funny it's not funny you have to laugh for crying but um so yeah mary tyler moore
2: oh yeah yeah mm.
1: yeah so so she died recently and, and i was thinking and and it went i, I knew we were going to be doing this podcast and i and honestly and this is probably why you have you keep having me on because i love the 80s so but the two things that i thought of besides of course um Laura Petrie, who I love and is another one of my style, I- style icons. But, uh, but two movies from the 80s that Mary Tyler Moore starred in are just two of my favorites. They really are. And they... I, I don't know. like I, I don't want to call them chick flicks. It, it, it's movies about women. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, one's about a relationship. We're talking about relationships, real and not, in this show. But, um, but one is Six Weeks. Are you guys familiar with that one? I don't think Um, I've seen that one. No. So it came out in 1982, and um, Mary Tyler Moore plays this um, sort of high-powered business owner, and she's got a daughter who's 12 or 13, and her daughter has leukemia. And then she winds up uh, meeting Dudley Moore's character, who's like this politician from California, and he's married. But he winds up kind of falling for... um, Falling for Mary Tyler Moore's character, but also being like really captivated by her daughter, who's like super spunky and she's a ballerina and she's just this really unusual girl and very, Mm -hmm. um, just very cool, like a cool person. And so he, he kind of likes her and then he meets Mary Tyler Moore, her mom, and they kind of have this like family love affair, if that makes sense. Like they just kind of enjoy each other's company, all three of them anyway it's quite sad like it ends quite sadly um so six weeks it was on hbo speaking of watching movies over and over again on hbo this was one of them for me i watched it a lot it was on a lot so six weeks is one the other one is called just between friends is that one familiar that
0: one i've seen yes
1: okay so that's from 1986 and mary tyler moore plays the wife of ted danson and she's sort of this um stay-at-home mom and she doesn't really have a her own career to speak of. And she winds up meeting Christine Lottie, who I think is a reporter or a journalist of some kind. Right. And Christine Lottie is just awesome. She can't not be awesome, but she plays this sort of independent single uh, woman who, you know, has her own career and they become friends, kind of unlikely friends, but they become friends. And then what happens, hold on, Christine Lottie meets Ted Danson and they wind up having an affair. Ooh and then Ted Danson winds up dying. Yeah. And yeah. so the, the here's the just between friends part, they kind of have to negotiate like what happens when Mary Tyler Moore's character finds out. And this is no spoiler, like in the commercial I remember seeing over and over again, they, you know, this yeah. was sort of all, you know, the setup out was in the kind open. of in there exactly but uh but this was on USA network i feel like every other weekend <laughs> <laughs> so, so i watched this one a lot too and i was trying to decide and, and it's just it's a great movie and i and i was i was thinking which one i liked better and i think this one because it's more about the um friendship between the two women yeah than anything and I- is it okay and you can cut this part out if it's too long but i asked my friend and fellow 80s cruiser Lucy, which one I should watch next, Mm -hmm. if I should revisit Six Weeks or Just Between Friends. And can I read what she said? Yeah. Okay. So Lucy says, I've only seen Six Weeks once and it was a long time ago, but I always feel like Terms of Endearment did it better. I watch Just Between Friends every few years so I'm biased, but Christine Lottie and Sam Watterson make it worth watching just for them. I also love to watch the Mary Tyler Moore character change and finally loosen up. Sometimes I like to think it's the happier ending to her character in Ordinary People.
2: Hmm, interesting.
1: Yeah, and I, had, I hadn't thought of that. And then she says, young Ted Danson is also kind of fun. I always feel good after watching Just Between Friends. But I remember feeling kind of bad after six weeks. That's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, movies then, where then, you have a
2: kid character that has leukemia, like, oh yeah, that's a great setup. Yeah, good things yeah. are going to happen.
1: Yeah, but the, but then she mentions, um, you can't go wrong with the 1980s fitness studio in Just Between Friends either, because she winds up, Mary Tyler Moore's character winds up opening her own business, and there's these great scenes of like leotards with belts and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> nice and nice. leg like, warmers, and yeah, it's very fun. So so sorry to go so long on that, no, but no. I. Uh, Yeah, I love Mary Tyler Moore and I just loved her in these two movies. And if you watch both of the movies, actually, she plays two very different characters in it and it just is sort of a reminder of like, she was really good. She was so good
2: in Ordinary People. Oh my gosh, she's so good in that too. I mean, that is a very different movie. Um, And I read a really interesting article um, this week about how she got that part and how she kind of had to fight for it. And people really thought it was stunt casting to put her in that role. Uh, but uh, she just she just
0: nails that role. She was one of the great ones. Hey, before we go, I just want to invite people out there who are listening, uh send in your picks for your favorite couples of the eighties, uh be them uh real fake or personal, and we'll read them on a future show. Uh and in the meantime, Jen, myself, uh, Brad, uh Marianne, Diane, and uh <laughs> see Tom, Tommy. John uh, Taylor. Tommy Tommy <laughs> We remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s.
2: Stuck in the 80s is a class of 85 production. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And remember, this is only an exhibition, not a competition. Please, no wagering.
0: That's probably the best Valentine's Day conversation we've ever had.